he must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Titus 1, verse 9. Welcome to Cain and Baum Podcast, a podcast designed to offer the Christian rest during life's journey. Featuring devotional segments by pastors serving in the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, along with church history, mission news, and music by artists who support our teaching. I'm Tom Barthel, serving as pastor at Christ Lutheran, a Wells congregation in Baxter, Minnesota. This is episode number 85. We'll begin with God's Word for You, shared by Pastor Timothy Smith. God's Word for You, Job 29, uh, reading verses 1 to 6. We'll start with the first half. Job's final defense. Then Job continued his discourse. How I long for the months gone by, for the days when God watched over me, when his lamp shone in my head, or shone on my head, and by his light I walked through darkness. In three quick chapters, Job is going to finish his defense. First, here in chapter 29, he longs for the old days before his suffering when he was happy. Unlike so many people, Job knew that he was happy at the time. And we can draw a lesson from that for ourselves. God is watching over us. The sun shines and the moon marks out the months for us, and we are blessed by God. Job's language recalls the days of creation when God first made the universe. He recognizes that God provides for us in so many different ways, and the greatest provision God made was by providing a substitute for our sins through his Son, our Savior, Jesus. Let's start verse 4. Oh, for the days when I was in my prime... Joseph's, uh, Job rather, misses his, uh, his choref, his autumn. And by this he means his prime when his life was mature and in full bloom and all the fruit of Job's labor was, was ripe. That's the picture of, of autumn when, when the harvest is ready for the taking. Now he has passed into a desolate winter. Um, although Job never uses the word for winter, setab, like in Song of Solomon 2 when the leaves and the fruit are gone and death surrounds him. But let's finish the verse. When God's intimate friendship blessed my house, when the Almighty was still with me and my children were all around me, when my path was drenched with cream and the rock poured out from me streams of olive oil, God's sowed rested on Job's tent. The sowed of God is his counsel, his Intimate friendship, as our NIV says, that gives the kind of advice Job yearned for from his friends. The Lord confides in those who fear him, in Psalm 25. The full counsel of God is his whole saving message, which tells us about our Savior and compels us to share the gospel with the world. The Lord spoke through Jeremiah about his true sowed when he says in Jeremiah 32, If they had stood in my counsel, in my sowed, they would have proclaimed my words to my people and would have turned them from their evil ways and from their evil deeds. In verse 6, about the path drenched with cream, Job erupts, describing the blessings of God. His words are like the sound of the promises God made to Moses about Canaan, a land flowing, erupting with milk and honey, Exodus 3.8. Job's rock is the platform where he and his servants stomped grapes and the olives. The streams here are the man-made channels for the oil so the pressed olive oil would run off through a filter into a container or a bottle for storage. A similar process was used for grapes 
You can see that in Jeremiah 25 or on reruns of I Love Lucy. And even the gunk from which the juice was filtered was dried. And you know what? It was used as fruit roll-ups for children. Uh, Let me say one more thing about the streams. In Psalm 1, the same word for stream is used. It's the word peleg, and it's a man-made stream. We would call channels or canals. Job realizes, as David did, that God is the one who plants us and places us where we are in the world. We're like planted trees, planted next to streams that God himself cut into the world to nourish us and provide for us. So rejoice in all the blessings God has provided for you and thank him. Remember that his greatest blessing is our Savior from sin, who rescued us and gave us a place in God's heaven, in his sowed and in his circle of friends forever. In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's word for you. Here's a new song by Koine, one of their featured singles, In Christ Alone, also featured on their upcoming album, which can currently be pre-ordered for December 2014. alone my hope is found he is my light my strength my song this cornerstone this solid ground firm through the fiercest drought and storm what heights of love what depths of peace when fears are still when striving cease my comforter my all in all
We finish a series of looking at Holy Scripture as we consider how we should hold firmly to the Word of God. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. That's from Titus chapter 1, verse 9. What would happen if a tennis player didn't grip tightly to his or her tennis racket? You can imagine the difficulty there would be to return the ball or to even serve the ball. You are in something far more important in life than a tennis match, a spiritual warfare. How do you continue? You hold firmly to the message, the word of God, just as it has been taught. With a firm grip on sound teaching, all Christians, like Titus, are ready to encourage those who begin to despair. We are ready to refute all who would tell us we have the wrong message or should give up. With a firm grip on God's word, we have a trustworthy weapon against Satan and all of God's enemies. Sin is no longer our master. Jesus is. We no longer rest under the power of Satan and his lies. Until Jesus takes us to be with him, we rest under Jesus and the truth. Death holds no sting. Jesus gives us eternal life. Never lose your firm grip on his word. Because until his return, we are in the battleground. Encourage the despairing. Refute all falsehood. The battle has already been won in Christ Jesus. We hold firmly to the trustworthy message, and we hold the victory. Lord, I know that I daily need to encourage others with your word, and refute those who would lead me and others to despair and loss. Keep me steadfast in your word, the trustworthy message, which brings me the victory through Jesus, your Son. Amen. Once again, God's Word for you. God's Word for you, Job 29, verses 7 to 17, starting with 7 to 10. When I went up to the gate of the city and took my seat in the public square, the young men saw me and stepped aside, and the old men rose to their feet. The chief men refrained from speaking and covered their mouths with their hands. The voices of the nobles were hushed, and their tongues stuck to the roof of their mouths. Here Job remembers his status before his illness. He was respected by everyone. He he named several different kinds of men who were also there at the village gate, the local court, and everybody honored him. There were the young men, the Na'arim, as in 1 Samuel 25. There were the very old men, in Hebrew, the the, the Yeshishim. That word only occurs four times in the whole Bible, all of them here in Job. Job 12, 15, 29, it'll occur again, uh, Yeshashim, the very old man in chapter 32. But the name uh, Yeshishai is in First Chronicles 5, 14, probably based on the same word. The chief men in Hebrew are the Sarim. A Sar is a prince. And we get that, we get from that word the same, the, the, the name of uh, Sarah, Sarah, princess, Abraham's wife. She was blessed as the mother of nations. And finally, there are the nobles, the nagidim, the leader or, or, or the rulers of the people. This word is also used as a synonym for king in 2 Samuel 6 or for military commanders in 2 Chronicles 11. It's also the word used for the mysterious prince of the covenant 
In Daniel 11, is that a Jewish high priest? Is that a, a certain faithful Jewish leader? Is it, is it Pharaoh? Who is the prince of the covenant in Daniel 11? But Job, in, we're not going to answer that here, but Job enjoyed God's blessings and the respect of his peers. That's the point. And now he feels that all of this is gone. But he's not done talking yet. Whoever heard me spoke well of me, and those who saw me commended me, because I rescued the poor who cried for help and the fatherless who had none to assist them. The one who was dying blessed me. I made the widow's heart sing. I put on righteousness as my clothing. Justice was my robe and my turban. I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy. I took up the case of the stranger. I broke the fangs of the wicked and snatched the victims from their teeth. Here Job remembers something that our author mentioned in the very first verse of the book. Job was not only blameless, but he showed it. He was righteous as well. Job's righteousness came from the same place that your righteousness comes from, from faith in our Savior Jesus. In Romans 1.17, Paul says, In the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. That kind of faith expresses itself in our lives. Job mentions things that he did. We would call them good deeds. But those good deeds aren't what made Job righteous. And he can talk about them in connection with his righteousness because without faith, none of those deeds would have been good deeds at all. Through the goodness of God and because he trusted in God's promises, Job helped the poor and the orphans and the dying and the widowed. He helped the blind and the lame and the needy and the wandering stranger. And the more he talks about his own life, the more we see Christ. Not because Job resembled or foreshadowed Jesus, but because a life of faith will be a life that reflects Jesus even when it is lived long before or long after the time of Jesus. We don't have to read Job's words as a prophecy about Christ. They're not meant to be a prophecy. Job just set an example with his life and we would do well to follow his example. We don't do those things to get in good with God or earn a better spot in heaven. We do those things because we love our loving Lord. His forgiveness inspires us to share his love with the world. And you know, today is a good day to begin. In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's Word for you. We finish with a song by the Camp Philip Choir. Thoughts from Psalm 46. of the north there is song in the midst of the sorrow lord you belong in the midst of the darkness you shine like the dawn and when i am weak you are strong when chaos on all sides shatters my soul when trouble descends like a mountain and served in the depths of the waters that surge on the Side, when all of my friends have deceived me, 
the sorrow, Lord, you belong. In the midst of the darkness, you shine like the dawn. And when I am weak, you are strong. Nations arise by their might and their strength. When kingdoms collapse and justice, at length is replaced by the anarchy of people's You've been listening to Canaan Bound Podcast, episode number 85. This episode was first shared in October of 2014. For more information, visit CanaanBoundPodcast.com. We encourage you to visit a Wells Ministry location nearest you. Visit Wells.net. Thanks for joining us.